So we are continuing the series that Jason kicked off for us last week uh, in the book of Colossians. And we did have a good time up in McCall last weekend for, uh, at family camp. Again, my family had a great time, and, um, and the other families that were up there uh, had a good time. So we are thankful for that. And thank you for Jason filling in while uh, I was away. And they said, we, we watched from up there. We screamed in service up there, and so we worshiped with you as well. Um, but this morning, uh, we are just building on top of what Jason brought last week. And, and again, as he introed the book, we know that, that Colossians, it is a letter of Paul. Um, it is in the, uh, in the prison epistles of Paul, meaning that there are these four letters that he wrote from prison. Um, and Colossians is unique, as Jason shared with you last week, that, and he even says it right in the text in the beginning of chapter 2, that, that he's writing to a church that he didn't start, that he doesn't even know. Right, but yet he's heard about that he's encouraged by and, and is wanting to encourage them. And as we continue to dive into the text, I want to go back and start with a, a few verses that Jason shared with you last week. And, and that is uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Colossians um, chapter 1. If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use You'll notice the page number there where you can find it in those, in those Bibles. But I want to go back to this text that Jason shared last week, uh, verses 9 and 10, because these are the thesis statements of the entire letter. Right? And, and he summarizes this up uh, starting at verse 9 where he says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then... Uh, the way you live will always honor and praise the Lord, and our lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Again, these are very powerful verses. And, and as we see, that just Jay, as we saw last week, they're encouraging verses, right, to know that, that, that we're being prayed for. And there's, just, there's, there's power in that, right, just to know that you're being prayed for. Right, that somebody cares enough to lift you up specifically, right? That's, that's incredibly encouraging. And, and we, we see, again, what he prayed for, right? He, he says, we ask God to, come, to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then in verse 10, and verse 10, I think, is even more encouraging because it says, he tells us what the result of that will be, right? If we get God's wisdom and understanding and knowledge of who God is and his will for us, then the result is the way we will live will always honor the Lord. Right? And I don't know about you, but I think that's a great life goal, isn't it? That's what I think. There's just that the way I live will always honor the Lord, and it, and it will produce all kinds of good fruit, right? Not just one kind, but uh, I mean all kinds of good fruit. And, and, and then I will grow and learn to know God better and better. And, and again, that's, those are things I want to be true of my life. Right? I, I, and I, my guess is that's true for you as well. Right? As we see these verses and, and know, again, what, what God's will is for us, the, for Paul's heart, not just for the Colossians, but for every believer. Right, about that, that will, will these words describe our life, describe our journey, describe our time on, on earth, and, and as we fulfill the will of God in our hearts and our lives and our relationships and our money and our time, right, and, and all that we just looked at in this last series. 
right? And as we look at that, again, I want to now move to the next step because, because Paul takes this and then he dives deeper into, into how this happens, right? How does this work in our lives? And, and so I want to look at this, um, this passage in, the, in the, the last part of chapter, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And so uh, we're going to start by reading just this verses 15 through 20. And just before I read this text, I'll just say is, is again, this is one of, I believe, the most powerful descriptions of our Savior in all of Scripture. Okay, just, just keep that in mind as we read it, right? This, this vivid description of who Christ is. Okay, Colossians 1, starting at verse 15. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Just pause for a moment. Just let that sink in. I mean, that is a powerful description of our Savior. But, and not just description, but, but also of his purpose, right? Of why he came, why he died, why he rose again, right? Why he entered in our life, why we should worship and serve him, right? I, I mean, it's all in there, right? In those verses. And, and this is a very vivid and powerful description of Christ. And, and as we look at this, this description, why we also realize why Jesus is so important, right? Because Jesus is literally the foundation of our faith. I mean, he created everything for it. It's for his glory, right? It's all about Jesus, right? And that truly is the foundation of our faith. It is about Jesus. I mean, that's exactly what the text says, right? It's all about him. He is the cornerstone, he is the foundation, he is the reason, he is, he is the, the power. I mean, it's all manifested in Christ. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Right? He, again, Christ is the foundation of our faith. And as we realize that, right, and, and know we, we need to then evaluate everything on that standard, don't we? Right, that anything about faith, anything about you know, religion, anything about that has to go back to who Jesus is. And if it doesn't do that, then it's misdirected. Right, and when we realize that, right, then, then again, we then have to live that out in our lives. And, and as we look at, at even just our, our, our family of believers at Oregon Trail, right, that is why our core value number one is the destination of our journey is Jesus Christ. Right? He is at the center of everything that we want to do. And, and, and this passage again reiterates that fact, right? Of why it's, it's number one on the list of our 
for values. Yeah, we don't have a lot, right? There's only four of them, right? But that one's number one because of everything that's described in this passage. Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. And <laughs> as we see this foundation, as, as Paul lays it out very clearly for us that, that it is all about Jesus, and I know that that's the churchy answer, but it's the churchy answer because it's true. Right? It is about Jesus. And, and then he continues on in this passage, and I want to read these, these concluding verses as he builds on top of this foundation, because he moves from the foundation of our faith on Christ, then he gives us the goal of our faith in verses 21 through 23, where he says, and this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. And the good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So we see he starts with the foundation of our faith where it's all about Jesus, and then he builds on top of that of giving us the goal of our faith. And the goal of our faith is to be reconciled with God and be made holy. And we are made holy because Christ is holy. Again, the goal of our faith, as the destination of our journey, is to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today, right? As I journey forward in my faith. And that I am made holy. Because he's holy, right? And by, it's by his power. And, and in these verses, he literally lays out how we, the steps we need to take in our life, right, to, to fulfill the goal of our faith, to be reconciled to God, and then to be made holy. The step number one that he gives us in, in verse 21, it says step number one is, is to realize that we need God. We, again, we realize that he, Christ is holy, I was supreme, all right, out of that, and, and then we obviously, again, when we look at the standard and we compare ourselves to Christ, we realize that we're not holy on our own, right, and realize that we need God, that we need God's power, we need his, his, his love, right, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, right, that we, it starts with realizing that God is God and I am not, and that I fall short. And when we realize that, right, then, then we, we understand that I need him in my life. And I have an, an open heart and an open mind, right, to, to receive Christ. But we start again in verse 21. He's, he tells us, right, who, who needs to take these steps. He says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Again, who does this describe in our world? All of us, unless you're Jesus. Right, so if you're not Jesus, which again, we're, we're all here, so we're not, we know we're not, right? Then this verse applies to you. Right? You have been or currently are in this camp. Right? It includes everyone who is ever far away from God. Guess what? That's everyone. 
But the, but the good news of the gospel, right, is, is that we, we need God. Right? But that's not where the story ends. That's where the story starts. Right? That's the good news. And yet, when we realize this, we look at, as we look at our core values, we see core value number one, right? That Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. Well, this leads us to core value number four, right? And core value number four is that everyone is welcome on the journey. Because every, this verse applies to everyone. We all fall short. And we think about this core, core value, right? This core value is about who, who is the gospel for? Well, it's for everyone. But yet, we, I think, as a church family, need to realize that core value number four isn't just about who needs to be saved, but core value number four truly has to be lived out by us as the church family, right? Because this core value is really more important about how we live up to this, right, than those coming through the door, right, or those that won't come through the door. Think about the first time you ever came to church or the first time that you started, you know, asking questions and seeking who God is. Right? How hard is it for you to ask that question? How hard is it for you to even show up here and to walk through the doors the first time? How uncomfortable is it, even if you just moved in our community, even if you are a believer and we're walking with Christ forever, how hard is it to walk into a church for the first time when nobody knows you? It's extremely difficult. Right? And, and the, the hope, right, is that if we as a church are living out this core value, is that they will come in and they will feel this core value lived out when they walk onto our property, right, or when they log onto our website, or when they watch a sermon, or when they interact with you at the grocery store, or when they cut you off in traffic, right, or, or when they see the Oregon Trail sticker on the back of your car, right, that, that, they, that they will feel God's love, right, and that we are living out this core value, right, this core value is not just about the gospel, it absolutely is about the gospel, but it's not, I think the most important part of core value number four is, is how we live it out, right, our do we actually believe that and live that out, right, that everybody's welcome? And do they feel that when they're here? Now, again, we, we're all humans, right? We fall short, if we, we, right? I mean, number one, right? We're not Jesus, right? And we mess it up. Hey, but, but which leads us then to, to the, the second step, right, that he presents in the first part of verse 22. Okay, step number two is that we accept grace and, and be reconciled to God. That we, that we accept grace and are reconciled to God. Now, this is when we join the journey of faith. This is when we, we pray and accept Christ into our life and, and receive him, right, the grace and forgiveness of our sin, that we are transformed by his spirit, that we move from just God's creation to God's child, that we move from, from, from being a far away from God to being reconciled to him, to being saved, right, to having our eternity sealed with him, in heaven, right? This is where we walk over from, from creation, right, to follower of Jesus, right? To accept grace and be reconciled to God. Again, salvation is defined by Jesus as a relational thing. It's not about what we do, right? It's about being reconciled to God relationally. And we see in, in the first part of verse 22, Right? He says, and yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Again, the price of your sin was paid right? when Christ died on that cross. That's what we celebrate today when we took communion. Right? Again, it's just the foundation of God's plan to save all of us, right? to get us out of where, 
of that camp in verse 21 to move into verse 22, right? To be reconciled to God by receiving his grace and accepting his forgiveness. Again, and that's about everything that God did, right? That's about everything that he accomplished, right, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, right? He's accepting it. That's what God's. But then step three is then is about what we do. Okay, and after I join the journey of faith, then step three is to embrace our new identity. Okay, and, and meaning, when I, once I join the journey of faith, now, now I'm reconciled to God, but now is when the journey starts, right? We join the journey. Again, at that point of salvation, is not the, that's not the end destination. That's the start of our new faith journey. Right, that, that's when we, we take a 180-degree turn in our lives. It's where we... we Stop from moving away from the cross and God behind us to where he turned around and we start moving towards the cross. Right, and we embrace how God made us and, and, and we embrace his, his grace and his mercy, right, and we embrace our new identity as God's child, right, and instead of God's creation, my, not, my new identity is now God's child, right, because I have, I have accepted grace, I'm reconciled to God, and now I start moving in a new direction to be more like Christ every day. That's exactly what he says in the second part of verse 22, right? He says, now as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now as we read that verse, again, these are, this is a very powerful sentence, right? And in fact, when we talk about freedom in Christ and about how the truth sets you free and kind of all this description, is this is exactly the key to that freedom. Right, and you're being transformed and what is do you believe this about you? Right? Because we can hold ourselves back so much, can't we? Right? We become our own worst enemy. Right? And our actual enemy, you know what the actual enemy wants to do? Is he wants to continue to speak lies into your heart and into your mind. Right? And the first thing the enemy will, will put in your heart and your mind is the opposite of what this verse says. And because we, again, have to go back to our, who we are in Christ, right, when we are saved, right? And this is what we are, right? We are standing in God's presence, we are holy, we are blameless, and we stand before him without a single fault. Again, not because of what we did, because of what Christ did. Right? Not because I am perfect, and again, we're not perfect because we're human, right? And we, we like to mess it up. Okay, but yet Christ's blood continues to make us blameless and presence and standing in God's presence. Right? And, and again, we have to embrace that, right? We have to claim that truth. Okay, and, and then as we do that, then we see step number four that is presented in verse 23, is that then we have to stay focused and journey forward. We cannot get distracted. Because guess what? There's all kinds of things in this world that distract us from the truth that's in verse 21 and 22. Even church, right, can distract us. There's all kinds of things that can distract us. So we need to stay focused, right? That's what he tells us in verse 23. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift. 
Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. Hey, don't drift, right? Like, like don't, don't buy the lies. Don't, don't let yourself lose focus of the goal of our faith. Don't let yourself lose focus, right, of the foundation of our faith. The foundation is Christ, right? The goal is to be reconciled to God and to be made holy, and that is an ongoing process. And don't, don't drift, don't lose focus, but continue to move forward. Because we've already brought up our two of our four core values. Again, we see this core value number two is that Scripture is our foundation, and it is the roadmap for our journey. It tells us where to go. It tells us what steps to take, right? I mean, as we see that, right, even just Colossians, this passage, it gives us a step-by-step guide of where we're supposed to go. Okay, will we rely on Scripture, right? Will we study it? Will we live it out? Which leads into core value number three, that all generations contribute to our journey, that we're going to move forward, and everybody matters to God, all generations. It doesn't matter where you're at in your phase of life, in your age, or even in your faith journey, is that you still matter to God, and you are matter to this church, right? And to the bigger church, right? We all have a, a role to play as we grow and contribute to God's plan. And so we see, again, this, this big picture, right? The story, not just of the gospel, but, but of how we move forward from joining the journey of faith. And once we receive Christ, what do we do then uh, to move forward? And as we work through these steps, then I see in the beginning of chapter two um, is where kind of Paul talks about who he's writing to and some of the, what Jason shared with us last week. But then I want to move on to um, the next section of chapter two, verses six through 23. Okay, now verses 6 through 23, we're not going to read, read them all because okay, that's a long passage and, you know, we all have stuff to do. Okay, but, but as, as we dive into these verses, though, this is where he, he dives deeper into this, how we not, don't drift, right? And he gives us two very specific warnings in this passage. Okay, now before he goes into the, to the specific warnings, I want to start with just the first two verses, verses 6 and 7. Okay, Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. He says, And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him, and let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now again, this is, this is kind of the, the overarching intro verses, right, to step us into um, these, these two warnings that come in the following verses. Hey, but as we look at, at these, these opening thoughts, right, verses 6 and 7, I encourage you to underline the phrase, you must continue to follow him. Hey, you must continue to follow him. This is a key. Right? And that's why, again, our, our, our conversion experience, our, our receiving Christ our Savior, it's the start, right? It's not the end. It's the start, because you must continue from that point on, right? And if you don't, you will drift. Again, this is a choice we must make every day as a follower of Jesus, that I am going to continue to move forward, okay? I will continue to follow him. And when we think about, then there's this this cool word picture, right, that he brings out in verse 7 about the, the roots, right, growing deep into who God is. 
And when we think about the roots and, and think about, again, the, a, a plant, right, or a tree, they, and the interesting things about roots, right, is that we never see them. And you think about the tree, right? Like, my roots are underground. You've probably never seen them. And you know what? That is exactly true in your life and your faith journey. Right? Is it the things that will really continue to propel you forward? Most people will never see. It's not you showing up at church every Sunday. Right? It's not you even being on, on a volunteer team. Right? It's, it's not about you writing, writing your tie check. Right? It's not about you, you know, checking off boxes right, and just doing the right things. Right? The, the things that will really propel you forward and how your roots will go deep into who God is is what you do every day. What happens in your own mind and in your own heart. Right? And, and are you going to be obedient to God? Right? And am I going to listen to his voice? And, and through those things. And the reality is that when, as the deeper our roots grow, right, that, that, that's between you and God. Now again, it, we will see the results of those roots. Right? That's what the fruit is that is described here. Right? But yet the, the core of who we are, of our faith journey, is about the roots that people never typically see. Right? It's between you and God. Right? Because remember, the goal of our faith is relationship with God. Hey, and, and again, that has nothing to do with me, right? But it has everything to do between you and God. Now, it has something to do with me and just our church family, right? Because we're all, that's what church is for. It's for us to encourage each other to grow, right? To, to, to give, help each other to dig our roots deep. And so it does involve all of us, right? But, but the thing about roots is that you hardly ever see them. And that is absolutely true, right, in, in our faith journey. And then we see that we're given two very specific warnings about things that can derail our faith journey in the following verses. Okay, the first warning comes in Colossians 2, verse 8. Okay, and, and, and there we are told to stay on track to guard our mind. Okay, to stay on track, guard your mind. Again, Colossians 2, verse 8, right? He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Again, this is a pretty clear warning. I says, don't, don't let this happen. Right? And there's, a, there's a, you know, don't let yourself get derailed, right, or, or distracted from your journey based on, on stuff that everybody's saying. Right? Don't, just, don't. Don't believe it. You know, again, we all know, right, that these last few years, like, this has become blatantly obvious in our culture. Everybody has something to say. Right? And, and now again, the question is, 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 it, is it real? Well, guess what? If it is, it can be go back to the very foundation of our faith. We can compare it back to God and his word, and we can find out if it's real. Right? Don't, don't believe it. Don't let it capture you. And I think that, that's a great description, isn't it? Don't let it capture you. Don't let it capture you. Right, go back to what you know is true. Okay, and again, it's Jesus. Okay, to stay on track, you have to guard your mind. 
What are you consuming in your life? Right? What, what, are, you, what are you listening to? What are you watching? Right? What, what are you doing? And, and again, even with that said, whatever you bring into your life, compare it back to Scripture. Compare it back to Christ. Compare it back to the known truth. Right? So we are to stay on track by guarding our mind. And then the, the second stern warning that comes in this passage is to stay on track. We need to evaluate your actions. They evaluate your actions. First, we got our mind, and then we evaluate our actions. Again, verse 16 is where we see um, this warning. The second, don't let this happen in your life. Okay, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days, or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Okay, now with both of these warnings, because we see that, then he dives deeper into to ways that these are playing out in our world and in our lives, right? And, and again, from verses 9 through 15, right, dives into, again, how we guard our minds, okay? Then as we look at, at this passage, right, after this, 17 through, through the end of here of, of chapter 2 is where he dives into about us evaluating our actions. Again, he's like, don't let other people condemn you, right, for things you do or do not do. Right, again, remember the roots, right? It's between you and God. They do what God leads you to do, and don't do what God tells you not to do. Right, and, and again, as we evaluate our own actions, and notice, right, I mean, he literally lists out all these things, right, about what we eat or drink, what we celebrate or don't, whole, holy days, ceremonies, Sabbaths. I mean, these are all things, right, that are still spinning around even the faith community in our world about whether we should or should not do them. Right? Again, this, this advice is, is so incredibly applicable today as much as it was on the day Paul wrote it. And when you think about that, we need to evaluate our own actions, right, of thinking and ask the right question. Are my actions helping or hindering my faith journey? Right? Are, are they helping or hindering my faith journey? Are they moving me closer to Christ or are they, help, are they holding me back? Okay, are my actions about myself, or are they about Christ? Because remember, what's the goal of our faith? To be more like him. Right? Are my actions inherently selfish? Because if they are, they're going to be holding me back, and they're going to be feeding my sin, not my holiness. Or are my actions centered on Christ? Again, this comes down to the, one of the foundational truths of our faith is, is about what you do versus who you are. Right, doing versus being. We need to evaluate our actions and say, uh, because even really good actions can be hindering your faith journey. Even good things, if they're done for the wrong reasons or the wrong motivation, can be holding you back in your faith journey. Right, and when we think about, as we talk about core values, we think the, the overarching you know, umbrella over our strategy, right, is to consume and contribute. And again, if all you're doing is contributing, even doing great things for God, right, is it will, it could hold you back if you're not consuming the things of God as well. But as we think about this, right, and again, this, this root picture, we, we know, right, that the roots are underground, you've probably never seen them, and that's mostly true, right, but that's not always true, right, because because this life is full of chaos and full of storms and full of struggles, right? And, and, and times that just, just, just erode away at the foundation of, of our lives. 
Right? See, but this is the thing about roots. Okay, if they're deep enough, right, even this world can erode away some of, some of the dirt and stuff around us, but if, they're, if the roots are deep enough, the tree still stands. Right, and guess what? In those moments, at those hardest times of life, right, is when some of those roots get exposed, right? And he's saying, again, are they, are they growing down into the right things, right, into something that's going to hold you up, right, instead of make your life crash down, right? Because it's in the hard times is where we, the roots get tested, right, to find out if those roots are in the right things. And if they're in the right things, right, that even though Paul describes here in Colossians, then your life will not come tumbling down when the world around you seems like incredible chaos. If your roots are in Christ. If your life is built on the firm foundation of who God is. Right, because no matter how many empty philosophies or craziness or chaos is in our world, God is still God, right, and he still has my back. Right, in fact, as you see this, right, we know right, that both of these warnings come back to the foundation of our faith. Right, the fact that it's all about Jesus. And he is the foundation to build our lives on. And again, we can even build our lives on, on good things. Right? Even, even on church, even on faith community, even on, on those kind of things. Those are good things, but they're not Christ. Right, and if your faith is built upon that, because guess what? Even if it's built on the church, the problem is the church is, is full of sinful humans, and we will mess it up. Right, it has to be on Christ. Right, this is exactly what Christ tells us. This is how Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount with this exact point uh, in this very famous passage that most of us already know in Matthew chapter 7. Right, when he says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a, a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And who's our foundation? Who is the bedrock? Jesus. There are lots of other things we can build our life on. Right? But yet, he's very clear here and all through Scripture, right? That, that Jesus will never let us down. Even when the roots are exposed, the tree will still stand. Or the house, maybe. Right? When we think about this idea, think about our own lives, right? I think... Um, the, the, the question seems obvious. Number one, have you done step number one and number two, right? Have you admitted you need God and accepted him as your Savior? Okay, if you haven't, the day is now, right? Today is the day. And you can pray and accept him as your, as your Savior. Now, join the journey of faith. And if you have journey, joined the journey of faith, are you in the journey? Are you moving forward? Are you doing what God's telling you? Are, are you being transformed by his spirit, right? Being made holy every day. I hope you are. And I hope you'll continue that journey and take that step forward today because today's the day for that too. 
is reading my final thought this morning that comes out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So my question to you this morning, how strong are you? How strong are you? Are, are you trying to relying on your own strength to hold you up? I hope not. I hope you're relying on the strength of Jesus. All right, and what's the next step forward? Maybe the next step forward is receiving Christ your Savior for the first time today. All right, maybe it's, it's, it's taking the next step forward in the journey and, you know, going to be baptized, right? Or, or <laughs> taking on that, that sin that, that you've been ignoring for a long time, right? Maybe, I don't know, maybe getting into a small group, right? Getting into a journey class. I don't know what your next step is, but I hope you'll take it today. Lord God, that is our prayer today, that you would be magnified in us. God, that you would truly be supreme in our life. God, that you are the foundation that our lives are built upon. God, that our roots would grow deep in you as followers, as believers. God, as representing you in this dark world, God, that your light will shine through us. And God, we pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we would truly live our faith. God, that we would show this world who you are. Lord, that no matter what chaos is around us, that our lives are solid because they're built on you. God, help us to move forward in our faith. We're more like you tomorrow than we are today. And God, we praise you and thank you that you save us, that you transform us, and that you, you gift us and enable us, God, to further your kingdom through our lives. Thank you for letting us be a part of your plan to save the world. Lord, as we go this week, as we live our faith, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.